Greetings to each one of you. It's good to see each one of you here this morning. You can turn your Bibles to James chapter 3. We will continue our study through James and, Lord willing, finish James chapter 3, looking at verses 13 through 18. Last message, we looked at the tongue, our words, and the power of our tongue, or the power of our words. James is a very practical writer. He not only wants people to profess Christianity, but he is encouraging them to live it out. And he talked about having a faith that works, not just mere talk, but faith that leads to action, faith that shows a change of lifestyle. And James in chapter 3 talked about our tongue. Our tongue should be different than that of the world or the unbeliever. Our tongue should be bridled. Our tongue should be changed. We talked about the power of the tongue. We talked about the problems with the tongue. James said our tongue is full of deadly poison. And then James also, or we looked at the potential of the tongue. We can bless or we can curse. Our words are very powerful. In this message, I'd like to look at what James talks about on wisdom. I've titled the message, True Wisdom versus False Wisdom. Now, another title could be Heavenly Wisdom versus Earthly Wisdom. And I have a few questions for the beginning of this message. I'd like to get our minds thinking. Sunday evening, we had a service and I asked the question, you know, who, who is wise? And I asked, raise your hand if you feel you're wise. No one raised their hand. And then I asked, would you like to be wise? And I think everybody's hand went up. So this morning, thinking again about wisdom... What is wisdom? And I would like, to, if, if anything comes to your mind that you'd like to share, I'd be interested in hearing it before we go into more, or looking at wisdom a little bit more in depth. What is wisdom, or, or how would you define wisdom? It's not a trick question. <laughs> I think there can be various right answers. Okay, yeah, there's one, I believe, one good way. Mm-hmm. Knowledge applied. I like everyone. Anyone else? And if not, that's fine. I yeah, appreciate the response. So maybe a few more questions. Is wisdom attained only by age or experience? Or can a young person have wisdom? All people have wisdom. All people have wisdom? Okay. Sure. I like that. Again, these are questions just to get our minds going a little bit. Is it possible for a non-Christian or an unbeliever to have wisdom? Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. 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 
Yeah, I like that response. So we'll look a little bit more at defining what wisdom is. And I have a few maybe different definitions that vary a little bit, but I like what Brent shared as well about knowledge applied. And that's what we're really going to look at this morning, wisdom as being knowledge applied. So there's three words in that scripture uses, well, three words, wisdom, knowledge, and understanding that are sometimes used synonymously. But there are shades of differences between these words and the way that they're used in Scripture. So just a little bit about defining wisdom. Wisdom has has to do with a right understanding of God and of God's truth. Knowledge speaks of having information about the abundance of facts about the universe. And understanding has to do with the correct use of knowledge. So again, thinking a little bit about the differences between wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. I think we would all agree we live in a time or an era where there is an abundance of knowledge, right? There's a lot of people that have knowledge maybe about their specific uh, occupation, some scientists that have a lot of knowledge. So there's abundance of knowledge, but it's also possible, I believe, to have, you know, the best uh, college degree, be super intelligent, but yet lacking in basic understanding of human nature or even about events that transpire around us, just having knowledge doesn't necessarily make one wise. So we can have a lot of, know a lot of facts, but thinking about, yeah, knowledge applied. If it's not applied, it doesn't really make one wise. The wise person is one who knows God. Proverbs 9.10 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, And the knowledge of the holy is understanding. So along the lines of what Dawson shared, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And the knowledge of the holy is understanding. So the book of Proverbs, we're not going to look at Proverbs much this morning, but Proverbs talks a lot about wisdom. And it contrasts wisdom with folly. So wisdom is a godly conduct. Folly is wickedness. So again, it's possible to have great knowledge about facts of nature, history, or economics and still be a fool in God's sight. So just knowledge alone does not make one wise. The writer of Proverbs encourages us to seek wisdom from God in order to discern good and evil ways. In the Bible, wisdom is not primarily an intellectual matter, but more of a moral matter. So again, thinking about the wise man or someone that has a lot of knowledge, knowledge about science or literature, but the person who, or the wise man is not the one who knows the most about science or literature, but the person who knows how to order their life in obedience to God's will. So again, these verses here, we're going to read them shortly, but James talks about wisdom. He's saying, well, he begins with a question, and we'll look there shortly, but who is a wise man among you? And then James goes on to address, you know, who the wise really were, or what their character is like. Moses told the children of Israel in Deuteronomy 4, 6, he says this, keep talking about God's commandments, keep therefore and do them, for this is your wisdom and your understanding in the sight of the nations, which shall hear all these statutes and say, surely this nation is a great, surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people. 
Moses saying, if, if you will actually apply what you know, therefore keep them and do them, this is your wisdom and understanding. So wisdom is, again, thinking of knowledge applied. The word wisdom in the New Testament generally means the quality of spiritual discernment. So I asked if a, if wisdom only comes with age and experience, and we'll look more as we go through the message, but I would say no, it's possible for a young person or a newborn Christian to have wisdom, to have spiritual discernment. When God's spirit abides within them, they have spiritual discernment. One who is wise has the ability to see clearly what is right and has the courage to act accordingly. So story, to give a little bit of an example, there was a a story that I read of a Jewish girl who became a Christian. Her family was, was Jewish and her parents were not happy with her decision to follow Jesus. In fact, her father was so angry that he said he would, after her, after his passing, he told his daughter that she would inherit 450000 on one condition, if she refutes Christianity, if she gives up or does not follow Christ. She said he told his daughter she will inherit 450000 But if she does not give up her claim on Christianity, she's only going to inherit $5. This is a, a, a Jewish girl that's faced with this decision. $450,000. We were thinking, hey, this looks really promising. This is going to get her far in life. Or $5. The only thing she has to do is just give up on Christ. Don't follow Christ. Well, this Jewish girl made the decision to continue following Jesus. So was she wise? Or was she foolish? Well, by the world standards, they would say, that, I mean, that's foolish. Like, that's you had $450,000 at your fingertips, but... The Christian would say, no, that's, that was a very wise decision. That was the most, I mean, it was an extremely wise decision. So Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, I believe, about the foolishness of, foolishness of God. I shouldn't even try to quote that verse. But about, so there's a difference between the world's wisdom and the Christian's wisdom. They, they see it very differently. So I'd like to read this text. James chapter 3, verses 13 through 18. Let's stand as we read the text. James 3, verses 13 through 18. James asked the question, Who is a wise man and endued with knowledge among you? Let him show out of a good conversation or out of good conduct his works with meekness of wisdom. But... If you have bitter envying and strife in your hearts, glory not and lie not against the truth. This wisdom descendeth not from above, but is earthly, sensual, devilish. For where envying and strife is, there is confusion and every evil work. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. And the fruit of righteousness, or, and the harvest of righteousness, is sown in peace of them that make peace. You may be seated. Thank you. Since this passage is not very long, what I would like you, or would like to do yet, you can follow along in your Bibles. I'm going to read it in the English Standard Version, and you can still follow along with whatever version you have, and you'll probably see some differences. It brings it, 
bring some clarity to some of these terms in the way we would speak them today. So, again, starting at verse 13 in the ESV. Who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes from a, down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, de- demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder and every vile practice. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. So again, thinking about the question that James asked in verse 13, who is a wise and under, who is wise and understanding among you? I can almost picture James just, you know, getting the people to think about or getting to think about this. So if they're thinking about if, if it, wisdom is all about knowledge and about being very smart or having a high IQ, James says, no, he said that is their conduct that portrays whether or not someone is wise. Is what he goes on to say, let, let them show by their conduct, by their works with meekness of wisdom. An unconverted person with a lot of knowledge tends to have traces of pride about them. And you've probably noticed this at times. Maybe someone that is smart, has a high IQ, and knows it. Maybe they're very intelligent. But sometimes they can carry that trace of pride. It's just pretty obvious. Looking at them by observing their life, you see that pride. And that can happen of my own life as well. Or each one of us can sometimes tend to carry some pride and maybe an area that we know a lot about. We need to be extremely careful. James says, no, who is wise among you? Let him show by, let, let it be shown by their conduct or just step back and observe who is wise among you. James says that a truly wise person, regardless how much knowledge they have, is characterized by meekness instead of arrogance. There's a big difference there. So James is contrasting true wisdom versus false wisdom, or again, earthly wisdom versus heavenly wisdom. So there's two different ways of living out the practical duties of life. There is a worldly carnal wisdom and a helpful spiritual wisdom, or also could be said one is a counterfeit wisdom versus a true heavenly wisdom. So I'd like to look at three points for this message. The first one is origin, the origin of wisdom. Secondly, the operation or the operation or the actions that are seen. And then thirdly, the outcome or the fruit and what it produces. They all start with O to help us remember them a little easier. First, origin. Secondly, operation. And thirdly, outcome. And I'll say these points, these three are not original with me. I heard them and I liked them. I like to keep it simple if I can, just to help us better remember. And what I really want to drive home this morning is I want us to seek wisdom that comes from above because that is the only source to becoming truly wise. So I think we'd all agree we want to be wise people, right? We want wisdom. Well, the only way to be truly wise is to seek wisdom that comes from 
above, or that comes from, or that is a heavenly wisdom. So the first point, the origin of wisdom. So what I'm, what I plan to do with these three points is just contrast earthly wisdom versus heavenly wisdom with all three of these points. I'd like to spend more time probably on the second point, the operation or the actions that are seen. So the first point, origin of wisdom, earthly wisdom or false wisdom. So where does it come from? Where's the origin of this wisdom? Verse 15, James says, this wisdom descendeth not from above, but is, he gives three things, earthly, sensual, and devilish. So it's not from above. It's devoted to earthly goals and for earthly minds. It does not belong in the heavenly realm. And that word sensual means unspiritual or belonging to the natural world. And then James uses a rather strong word by saying it's devilish or demonic, this earthly wisdom or this false wisdom. It's not coming from above, it's coming from below. This demonic wisdom, or it is a false wisdom that comes from Satan and not from God. Wisdom of this world only. Wisdom that once, that maybe denies God, doesn't want anything to do with God. That does not come from God. So, now contrast that with true wisdom or heavenly wisdom. Where does this wisdom come from? And I believe there's a lot of people that have a lot of knowledge, or in a sense have this earthly wisdom, if you will, that don't want anything to do with God, but yet they're very intelligent people in one way or another. They have a lot of facts in their mind. They might be able to say things very clearly and maybe even come up with a strong argument argument against Christianity, but it is wisdom of the world. It is essential. It is demonic. It is not wisdom from above in contrast to, to, to true wisdom. James says in verse 17, he says, but the wisdom that is from above, and then he goes on a list of actions that it brings. We'll look there before long at those actions. So true wisdom comes from above and not from below it's not demonic it comes from god true wisdom is a gift from god a person that does not seek god will not have this wisdom true wisdom comes from god psalm 14 1 says the fool hath said in his heart there is no god they are corrupt they have done abominable works and there is none that doeth god or that doeth good So the fool says in his heart, there is no God. A fool is someone that does not have wisdom. True wisdom comes from above. It comes from God. And then the second point, so that was the the origin. True wisdom comes from above. Earthly wisdom or false wisdom comes from below or is of the devil. The second point, the operation of wisdom. Or another word that could be used is the actions of wisdom. What is seen What type of uh, actions does the earthly wisdom produce or the false wisdom versus the heavenly wisdom? James says in verse 14, thinking about earthly wisdom or false wisdom, he said, but if you have bitter envying and strife in your hearts, glory not and lie not against the truth. 
So thinking about the operation of wisdom or the actions. So the earthly wisdom, what does that produce? It produces bitterness, envy, strife or self-seeking. And that word envy denotes a fierce desire to promote one's own opinion and a resentful attitude towards others whom God may be using for a great work. Now, what I would like us to do this morning is to all do a self-examination in our hearts. Because I believe every one of us has that desire to be wise. We want to be wise. And yet, in my life, sometimes there's traces of things that when James talks about this earthly wisdom, like what is my life producing? Is there, do I have some earthly wisdom or false wisdom? Or am I truly seeking wisdom that comes from above? So this word envy, thinking about what is our life producing? Again, James cares about what, not just about one's claim to Christianity, but what is evident in someone's life. And it takes a self-examination this morning for, for me first, but for each one of us, each one of us to do a heart exam. Is there any envy? Is there any bitterness or strife that is coming out of my, my heart or is my life producing any of that? That word self-seeking conveys the thought of selfish ambition. You know, as Christians, we are followers of Christ. We are to pursue the things of Christ and not to be, to be pursuing selfish ambition and what's in it for me. Now, to contrast that with true wisdom, what are the actions of true wisdom? James gives a list. His list is longer on, on true wisdom or heavenly wisdom than it is on false wisdom. I found that interesting. James gives a list, and I'd like to look at that list here this morning. We'll go through this fairly quickly. Thinking again about seeking wisdom from above, because that's the only true source or the only source to becoming truly wise. James says in verse 17, but the wisdom that is from above or the actions that is produced, it is first pure. I find it interesting that he used the word first. It is first pure. And that word pure, the Greek word not only refers to sexual purity, but also means undefiled and free from self-interest. It is pure. It is the absence of any sinful attitude or any hidden motive. True wisdom is being free from all ulterior motives. It is pure. It comes from a someone with a pure heart. And then the word peaceable, the second one that James listed here in verse 17, true wisdom delights in peace and seeks to promote peace. A peaceable person is not a contentious person. We might know some people that are quick to be contentious. Well, James says a person like that, a person, a, someone that is seeking wisdom from above is a peacemaker. They are not a contentious person. What is my life producing? Am I a contentious person or do I pursue peace? A wise person that is pursuing peace, well, they will strive to have, or re- if there's strained relationships, they will strive to restore the strain relationships. A peaceable person answers their critics with gentle words. What is my attitude when someone says something against me? Do I respond back in a gentle way 
with my tongue? Is my tongue bridled? Am I seeking a life of peace? A peaceable person will try to see other people's point of view. So when we share our point of view, someone else shares their point of view, and they clash a little bit, well, a peacemaker wants to at least hear the other person's point of view and at least understand it. A peacemaker maybe not always come to a complete, like, letting their opinion go, but not going to stir up contention about it when it's just simply an opinion. So a peaceable person wants to hear other or seeks to hear other people's point of view rather than just sharing their side. And a peaceable person, thinking about being a, a wise person is a peacemaker, they are also a forgiving person. They are willing to, or they are quick to forgive when people wrong them. So again, thinking about looking internally at our hearts, I'm going to again ask the question, are you a wise person? A wise person is someone who seeks peace and not contention. And then the third word that James uses in verse 17, he says gentle. Wisdom that comes from above is gentle. A gentle person is considerate, they're kind, and they're forbearing. Do you care about other people and what they are going through? A gentle person is kind and forbearing. He's considerate of other people's needs and desires. A gentle person is a friendly person who cares about the interests of others. A gentle person will care, again, what other people are going through and will ask questions regarding what the other person is facing. And then the fourth one, easy to be entreated or open to reason, willing to yield. They are approachable people. Are you an approachable person? Am I an approachable person? If someone has something to share with me or something to me that maybe I'm not going to like, are they going to feel it's, I'm, I'm an okay, it's okay to come and talk to me about it? Or am I just going to put up a wall right away and not want to hear it? Am I an approachable person, easy to be entreated? They are open to other points of view. And I talked about some of these somewhat tied together with the with some of the other words, but easy to be entreated, open to other people's points of view. They are willing to yield if they can do so with a clear conscience. There are some things that we should not let go or we should maybe not yield to if it goes against our conscience. But if it's, again, just some personal opinions, Someone, a wise person is easy to be entreated, they're approachable, they are willing to yield to the desires of those around them. So contrast that a little bit with earthly wisdom. Someone that just has the wisdom of this world or false wisdom is not going to be easy to be entreated. They're not going to want to hear anything said against them. They might shut it down quickly or just not want to hear it, but someone that's seeking wisdom from above is easy to be entreated. And then fifthly, full of mercy and good fruits. And this this word speaks of compassion and pity towards those who are in need. And the Greek word implies that not only to those who are in need from something that they can't help, but even 
those are in need from their own mistakes or from their own lack of, you know, providing as they should have. Someone who is full of mercy and good fruits even shows mercy and compassion to those who we might say should be able to help their get themselves out of their own situation. But someone that's seeking wisdom from from above is full of mercy and good fruits in spite of whatever the reason is that they're in the situation they are. And this mercy is not merely an emotion or feeling sorry for someone, but rather is compassionate is is compassion that leads to good deeds. So we might feel sorry for someone's situation. We might care about what they're going through, but it might stop there. Being full of mercy and good fruits does something about that feeling and it might meet the need that they have rather than just an emotion or feeling sorry for them. So, what is my life producing? So if we want to become wise, or is our, are we seeking wisdom from above that is full of mercy and good fruits? And then James says, without partiality. This wisdom does not show partiality. It treats what James talked about in chapter 2, in the beginning of the chapter there, about not showing partiality between the rich and the poor. But all people are equal in God's sight. They are, they are all created by God, and we should not show partiality amongst the rich and the poor. We should treat all people fairly. True wisdom does not show favoritism. And then the, another one, without hypocrisy, the last one here. This simply means, going back to a little bit about being pure, the first one, without hypocrisy meaning sincere, someone who is genuine and thoroughly honest. They are not fake. And the Lord Jesus was the one who perfectly portrayed wisdom from above. So we have his example to follow. The Lord Jesus is the embodiment of, of the wisdom of God, the wisdom that comes from, abo- from above. So again, I want us all to examine our hearts. What type of wisdom are we operating under? Wisdom of the world or wisdom that comes from above? And I believe I'm speaking to people who are operating under wisdom from above. And yet I know in my own life, sometimes the traces of some of what James says is wisdom that comes from below, wisdom that comes from within, or even wisdom that's demonic. Some of that, there can be some signs coming from my own life at times that I need to continue to look to Jesus from, for wisdom that comes from above. Thirdly, very quickly here, the outcome. So we looked at the origin, we looked at the operations or the actions, what what is produced from that. Then the outcome or the fruit that comes from wisdom from below and then wisdom that comes from above. So verse 16 says, For where envying and strife is, there is confusion and every evil work. So what is produced by from the wisdom of the world? There is confusion and every evil work. Where the spirit of jealousy and selfish ambition exists, there will be problems. False wisdom puts self at the center of life. Or wisdom from below puts self at the center. Self-pity, self-seeking, and self-righteousness. 
These types of people care more about themselves and what's in it for them. We might all think of people that oh, that, that dis- pretty much describes someone, but that should not describe the, the Christian. We are not to be all about me. Life is more about it's, it's, life is not about me and what I can get out of life, but life is about, ser- about serving and not what I can get out of this life. So the outcome is confusion and every evil work. Is there a lot of confusion in this world? Is there a lot of evil works being done? It is coming from wisdom, or that's produced from wisdom of the world. God's wisdom, wisdom from above, stands in stark contrast from that. So what is the outcome of true wisdom? God's wisdom is intended to change our lives and to work in our lives. The law of sowing and reaping applies to pretty much every area of life, and it does in wisdom as well. Acquiring true wisdom does not just happen. It takes much work. We are in this together at seeking wisdom that comes from above. So just as the think about think about harvest time. So right now there's a lot of farmers bringing in their crops. Glenda knows what it's like at harvest time to be a busy time harvesting the crops, bringing it in. Well, there was much work. That went in before harvest. There was the planting. There was the cultivating or the spraying in order to bring in the harvest. And there was a lot of work that went into it. Same as heavenly wisdom or wisdom that comes from above. Wisdom does not just happen. We need God's help, God's spirit within us. And then we need to pursue the list that James gives us here in verse 17. And then out of it, the outcome will be a harvest of righteousness in verse 18, is sown in peace of them that make peace. And I believe that's a desire that each one of us have, to have a harvest. One day, uh, our life on earth will be over, and it matters that we are sowing and cultivating true wisdom in our hearts. There will be a harvest of righteousness that is coming. James chapter 1 talks about wisdom as well. In verse 5, he says, If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally. So many times we need wisdom, right? See, I look at this passage a little differently now that I've studied it than I did before I studied it. Think of wisdom as, you know, someone that's very intelligent, has a high IQ. I see it differently. It's not so much about how much we know but about what is coming out of our life. So as we seek wisdom that comes from above, it changes in our or it changes our lives. God's word transforms our heart. And out of that, when that happens, that's when we become wise because we pursue the things of God. We read God's word and we read how we need to change our lives. And out of that, we can become wise people. We might, none of us might want to say, oh, we're a wise person, but that's how I can say, I believe there's many wise people here because you are pursuing the things of God. You desire God's word to transform you and to continue to mold you and to produce fruit, to produce a, a pure and a holy life. 
So seeking God's wisdom will make us peacemakers, help us be gentle with others, and it will help us show mercy. And in the commentary from Harold Martin, I'm going to quote what he said here. True wisdom is the ability to know what is right and wrong. It is the capacity to distinguish between what is important and what is not important. And it is the quality of being upright and holy without becoming self-righteous. So more definitions of what true wisdom looks like. Proverbs 3 verse 13 says, Happy is the man that findeth wisdom, and the man that getteth understanding. So going back to the question that James gave in the beginning in verse 13, the beginning of the passage that we looked at, who is, a, who is wise and understanding among you by his good conduct? Let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. So who is wise among you? Again, I think when we, when we think about that question, we should say, well, let's, let's observe someone's life or let's observe our life and see if we are wise people. Or just observe who is wise. Happy is the man that findeth wisdom and the man that getteth understanding. So wisdom is determined by observation of conduct. True wisdom is not attained by having all the knowledge, but rather how we apply it to everyday life. Not being hearers only, but doers of God's word. As I was studying for this message, I thought of the Sermon on the Mount. And Jesus gave the Beatitudes there, some actually very similar to what James gave here in verse 17. You know, blessed are the peacemakers, blessed are the pure in heart. And then Jesus ended the Sermon on the Mount by giving the story of the wise man and the foolish man. And children, we sing the song, the wise man built his house upon the rock. The foolish man built his house on the sand. And the house went crash, right? Jesus says the wise man is the one who hears God's word and does them. The foolish man is the one who only hears God's word. He builds his house in the sand. He doesn't actually live out God's word. So who is wise among you? It is those who hear God's word and does God's word. No, we don't always do it perfectly, but we strive to apply God's word to our hearts. We strive to be pure in heart. We strive to be peacemakers And that, out of that, comes, or we will be, wise people. So again, thinking about the questions, is wisdom attained only by age and experience? Well, to a certain degree, you know, people, gray-haired people, older people do have more life lessons learned, maybe more wisdom. But I believe spiritually, or wisdom that comes from above, can be attained by even a young Christian. By pursuing the things of God. Pursuing the wisdom that comes from above. Is it possible? I ask the question, is it possible for a non-Christian to have wisdom? Well, I would say that depends on how you define wisdom. Because the Bible says the fool hath said in his heart there is no God. If they are denying God, denying God's existence, they cannot have wisdom that comes from above. They're not pursuing that type of wisdom. They may have a lot of knowledge, and depends how you define wisdom, they may have an element of it, but they do not have wisdom That comes from above. So may God help us to be wise people. Not that we are just pursuing 
wisdom, but we're pursuing the things of God. We're pursuing the pattern that Jesus gave us and being or in applying verse 17 here. And out of that comes true wisdom, wisdom that comes from above. And this is a lifelong work that we have to continue to seek God's wisdom. So again, in conclusion, we looked at the origin, earthly wisdom versus heavenly wisdom. True wisdom comes from above. And the operation, we need to examine our lives. What are the actions that are seen? Earthly wisdom is going to stir up strife, envy, bitterness, jealousy. It's going to create confusion. But the outcome or the operation of true wisdom is, well, is seen by the fruits of the Spirit, really. And then the outcome Earthly wisdom is confusion versus heavenly wisdom. There's going to be a harvest of righteousness. So may God guide you as you seek wisdom that comes from above. And I know that, at least in some, sometimes in my life, we might ask God for wisdom. And we might want God to give us just a clear direction, an exact path to take forward. And so often I don't think God lays out the exact clear line for us to take and... Uh, what job we should get and who should who we should marry or where we should serve God. But I think what's more important to God, rather than all those fine details, might not all seem like small details, that is something I believe we should seek God in. But God doesn't always clearly give us direction, but God does give us clear direction in his word to seek wisdom that comes from above. And as we seek him and seek his will, I believe... God will give us a clear understanding of exactly, uh, more specifically, what he wants in our lives. Maybe not always as clearly as we would like, but may we all together seek wisdom that comes from above so that we are wise in God's eyes. See, the world might look at us and think we're a fool. We might be like that that girl that became a Christian and forfeited the $450,000 and took the $5 inheritance Maybe that's how the world looks at us, but it is much better to be wise in God's eyes than to be wise in the world's eyes. Because if we're wise in the world's eyes, can't be wise in God's eyes. So may we seek wisdom that comes from above. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word and how clear it is in the book of James. True wisdom versus false wisdom. The earthly wisdom versus the heavenly wisdom. And I pray that each one of us would together strive to seek wisdom that comes from you. And I pray if there's any areas of earthly wisdom that we are pursuing rather than heavenly wisdom, I pray that you would make it clear to us and that we could not pursue the earthly wisdom, but that we would strive for the wisdom that comes from above, that is pure, that is gentle, that is holy. And I pray that each one of us would be wise in your eyes. So I pray that you would be with us as we strive to apply this to be men and women who are wise, who seek wisdom that only comes from you as you are the true source of wisdom. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.